Retropod is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. With the holiday season upon us, we're taking a little break. So for the next few days, we're replaying some of our favorite episodes from 2018. We'll be back after the new year with more fascinating and fun discoveries from the past. Happy holidays. Now, on with the show. June 5th, 1968. Senator Robert F. Kennedy takes the podium at the Ambassador Hotel in California. It's late. He has just won the state's Democratic primary for president. So, uh, my thanks to all of you, and now it's on to Chicago, and let's win there. Those would be some of the final words in his life. Suddenly, shots rang out. It is possible he has not only Senator Kennedy, oh my God, Senator Kennedy has been shot. First, his brother, John F. Kennedy, the 35th president of the United States, now Bobby, killed by assassins. Bobby's death, coming just weeks after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., shocked the nation especially those who looked to him to continue the national discussion over racial equality that King had led right up to the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. An extraordinary period of mourning took hold across the nation, including one of the most beautiful, spontaneous displays of grief this country has ever seen. After his funeral, as his flag-covered casket traveled by train from New York to Washington, heading to his final resting place at Arlington National Cemetery, Crowds suddenly appeared along the train tracks to pay their respects. Photographer Paul Fusco, on assignment for Look Magazine, was aboard the train. In the documentary, 1,000 Pictures, RFK's Last Journey, Fusco recounted what he saw as the train left Penn Station. When the train first came out of the tunnels, the first thing I saw was hundreds of people in mourning. Was just overwhelmed. I had no anticipation of this at all. It was like an explosion. I just jumped out of my chair and pulled the window down and just started automatically photographing. They held signs. One said, God bless you, RFK. Another said, We love you, Bobby. People hung off bridges. Some dropped to their knees and prayed bridesmaids toss their flowers. One of the most iconic images from that day is of a boy saluting the train as it slowly rode past. Young, old, black, white, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, the crowds were a mix of the very electorate Kennedy appealed to with promises of racial justice, of ending the nightmare in Vietnam. A train journey that should have taken four hours would take more than eight. As the train approached Philadelphia, nearly 20,000 people, most of them African-American, were waiting. They sang the battle hymn of the Republic. 
Glory, glory, hallelujah. The tune was a sort of echo, an echo of grief, but also beauty. Hours earlier, at Kennedy's funeral inside St. Patrick's Cathedral, his brother Ted had choked up during his eulogy. Those of us who loved him and who take him to his rest today pray that what he was to us and what he wished for others will someday come to pass for all the world. As he said many times in many parts of this nation, to those he touched and who sought to touch him, some men see things as they are and say why. I dream things that never were and say why not. The mourners were shaken, but they were also moved to song. Andy Williams, the popular crooner, started the singing, then others joined in, singing the battle hymn of the Republic, words heard down the train tracks in Philadelphia and beyond. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. To read and hear more about the extraordinary events of 1968, go to WashingtonPost.com slash 1968. And for more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod. This winter, join the Washington Post in its fight against hunger, homelessness, and poverty with a contribution to Post Helping Hand. To learn more and donate, visit posthelpinghand.com.